0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapter 31. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: One of the problems in the church that I see too often is people desiring someone else's gift. Listen, the construction worker was just as anointed as the high priest. This is huge. Because in the church, people are looking at each other's gifts. Well, I like to have that gift. Well, I wish I was the pastor. Well, I wish I was the preacher. Well, I should be children's ministry leader. Well, I should be worship leader. I mean, I can sing better than Steve Leslie. I should be worship leader. Probably not, but okay, I should be worship leader. And people are looking at each other's gifts and and desiring another person's gift. Listen, you will be anointed in the gift that God has given you. And that's the best gift for you. It would be better for you to bloom where you're planted. Write that down. Bloom where you're planted. Oftentimes we're looking at another person's gift. And, you know, sometimes God will gift you in one place in your life, and then later on as you grow, he may gift you with something else because the gifts and callings all come from the Lord, and it's his desire and his purpose and his plan and his dispensing of the gifts. So he may give you a, a different gift, but be satisfied and be happy in the gift that God has given you. Amen. You know, I was sitting thinking today, just over you know this sermon and and it brought me back to oh I don't know, it was about 19 I'm dating myself here, it was probably about 1988 89 I was stationed at Naval Hospital, Camp Pendleton, California, and uh you know i I, 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 I love hospitals. I am one of those kind of people, I love the smell of hospitals. Y'all like, ooh, <laughs> That's I figured I'd get that reaction if I said that. But, but I do. I just love hospitals. I love the smell of hospitals. I love to be in hospitals. Even today, I make hospital visits as busy as I am. If somebody, I can get to a hospital in a minute. Because I just love being in that environment because in my life and in my ministry, a lot of my ministry took place in a hospital. And so I remember... Some years ago, I used to work on pediatrics and, um, you know, I was a hospital corpsman, go Navy. And uh, I was working in pediatrics and, 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 and doing work. You know, I have always, you know, I, I was always love to talk to people, always love to pray for people, always love to tell people about the word of God since the day I got saved, always loved it. So I'm working on pediatrics and I would say, you know, I'm, I'm just going to take a quick break and I'm going to go um, down and get me something to drink and I'll be right back up, you know. And I'd go down, and the pediatrics was on the eighth floor. And I just couldn't help it. I had to stop at the seventh floor to talk to some believers. And then I had to stop at the sixth floor to talk to some believers. and I stopped stop at the fifth floor to talk to some Christians. And, and I, I always just went floor to floor just talking to people. And I just loved it. And then by the time I got back, it was an hour and a half later or something, and they were like, Finch, where you been? And I'm like, well, you know, I... I, I had to talk to some people, and I got and you know, and, and I had this one commander. I even asked my wife, did she remember her? Her name was Barbara Beebe, Commander Barbara Beebe. She was the nicest lady ever. She looked, I mean, I, she was a spirit-filled commander. She had to be, because she, she looked at me, and she felt pity. And, <laughs> I mean, she really did. I just remember, she was like, you know, Finch, you are really going to get in trouble. We... Wait, maybe we'll just change your job, so then they did, they, so they made me like they created this job for me. I kid you not, because they just knew I'm not going to stop talking about Jesus. I was annoying, and, and they just knew it, so they and instead of getting me busted and put in prison for being a wall, you know, they, they, they changed they created a job, and I became like an enlisted advisor, and my job was to go floor to floor to talk to people. I kid you not, they changed, didn't they not, honey? They changed my job floor to floor. My job was to go talk to all the enlisted people and see how they're doing and bring word back to to them, to the officers. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, isn't that great? <laughs> it's just great. That's the Lord. <laughs> I just remember that. And, and and um, I just remember the Lord just using me in that place and at that point in my life that was the best gift and for me to try to function outside that you know god will make room for your gift god will make room for your gift and and for me to try to function outside of what god has created in me and what god has given me to do that's always a mistake the best gift and the best ministry is the one that god has called you to operate in the one that god has given you in the body of christ and don't desire someone else's gifting. I'll just tell you on a personal pastoral perspective, I am so blessed as I see God raising up people with different gifts in this church. This church has so many gifted people, it's unreal. And my job as a pastor is kind of like a sanctified talent scout, if you will. That's one way to phrase it. I'm going to be a sanctified talent scout. It's my job to look out among you, Paul told Timothy, look out among you to find men who are able to teach or men who are gifted. Well, my job is to look out among you guys and to find out what your gifts and what your talents are. And I have found that oftentimes the kind of natural talent that you have God, just like Beziel, will take that kind of natural talent and put an anointing to it. And now it's not only a natural talent, but it's a spiritual gift. Do you understand? I'm just trying to help you because for me, that was always very cloudy for many, many years. I mean, how do my natural abilities and my spiritual giftings coincide? I mean, how does that work out practically? Well, God will take, just like Beziel, a natural ability and add the Holy Spirit to it. And add an anointing to it, and now it's a gifting. So, if, if you have, if you generally like to do administration, well, God will add an anointing to you, and now you have the gift of administration. If you like to talk to people and go floor to floor to floor to floor, God will add an anointing to it and make you a pastor. But you need to flow and operate in the gift that God has given you. Look at verse, let's just move on to verse uh, 6. Look at verse 6. And I indeed, in verse 6, I have appointed with him a holy ab. Do you see that? The son of that guy, and he's of the tribe of Dan. Now, notice, not only did God call Beziel, give me your attention, but he's put people alongside of him to help him with the ministry. Aholiab, you know what his name means? Bible students, if you're taking notes, his name means father of the tent. Listen, if you're looking for baby names, I mean, think about that. I mean, Aholiab's mom and dad, can you think about this? Aholiab's mom and dad, or she just had him in there in the delivery room holding the baby, and there's like, Honey, what should we name him? And one says, I know. Let's name him Father of the Tent. <laughs> so what did they come up with that? And this guy, uh, Ahissamak, this guy, his name means, get this, brother of assistance. Brother of assistance. I don't know. Maybe dad was trying to get the son back because he didn't like the name his mom gave him or something. It says, oh, my name means son of assistance. My son's name is going to be father of the tent. Maybe not. But you got to think, I mean, Aholiab is called alongside of Beziel to build the tabernacle. I mean, this is a big contract. I mean, they're building the place where the nation of Israel will come and worship God. And they're going to come and dwell there. So this is a big contract contract now a holy ab listen is called alongside of beziel to assist he is an assistant so we can learn that there are some people anointed by god to come and assist he isn't called nor gifted to do beziel's job in the process of construction he's called to assist a holyab understands something it's just as important and just as necessary and just as anointed as Beziel. But they have different callings and different giftings and different jobs. And God said, I have put my wisdom in their hearts that they may make all that I have commanded them. God enabled, called, equipped a holy ab to do the work of an assistant. And you've been around here, you know, where God calls, listen, God enables. Where God calls, God enables. And, you know, oftentimes, and, you know, I think we've all seen it, but oftentimes we have seen people who say they are called to do something and would swear on a stack of Bibles that they are called to do that thing. But when they're exercising that gift, people aren't blessed. I'm just trying to keep it real. When they ask something. I mean, people aren't blessed. And they'll say, well, you know, I'm called to be a pastor. Well, I'll tell you something. You know the whole pastorate thing? I'll tell you something. It is very easy to identify that gifting and that calling. If you're called to be a pastor, you know what you'll see walking behind a pastor? A bunch of bang sheep. Bah, getting on your last frayed nerve. No, just... I already said I love it. That came out of my head. I don't even know where that came. <laughs> But it's very easy to identify whether you're called a pastor or not. Because if you're called a pastor, then you're going to be pastoring. And people are going to be following you. And you'll see that giftedness. So often people are saying, I'm gifted, but you don't see that giftedness. And again, as a pastor, it's my job to look among us, and see who's gifted in certain areas. And sometimes I have to unfortunately say, I don't see that gift in your life, but I do see this one. The problem is, when I point them to the gift that they are obviously gifted in, they don't want to do that gift, they want to do another gift. (laughs) See? I told you, I'm a pastor. You hear them bang? They're doing it. It's like, Oy vey, this is exhausting. And it's it's just like, look, just do what God has called you to do and get your mind off somebody else's gift. Man, just run. You know, I tell people, just run in your lane. Are you feeling me, my people? Run in your, look, just run serving Jesus. I'm just serving the Lord. I'm just serving the Lord. Yeah, I love doing what I'm doing for Jesus. Yeah, it's great, it's great, it's great. And what happens is people start looking over. They go, man, he's gifted to preach. Yeah, I'm just serving Jesus. I'm just serving Jesus. Yeah, but I want to preach. Yeah, but I'm just serving. You know what happens? They start steering off into this lane. And you know what you do? You run into somebody. It's a wreck. Because when you try to run in someone else's lane, it's a wreck. It happens in ministry every day. Every church operate in the place that God, and if God raises you up, listen, it'll be a natural progression. It'll be a natural. And if you never, ever, ever do any more than you're already doing, listen, you are blessed to be serving God. If you clean the toilets or if you preach from the pulpit, somebody clap their hands Would they? Would you? That's a blessing. You know, I was out in California talking to Greg Laurie's number one guy after him. Of course. And, you know, he said something to me that was just like telling, it was telling. We're sitting in his room just chatting. Actually, I was preparing to leave, and he was just saying thank you for coming and so on and so forth. And, he, you know, he, he, he said to me, he said, uh, we had talked about giftings and so on and so forth. And he says, you know, I know I am called to assist Pastor Greg. He said, I know that. He said, I know I'm not called to preach from the pulpit or do this evangelistic thing that Greg's doing. He says, I never look at that and think I need to be doing that or I need to go. He said, I am going to die an assistant to Pastor Greg. And he said, you know what? I'm happy about that. And he leaned back in his chair and went, I am happy about that. (laughs) I mean, well, you're just happy and comfortable too, aren't you? And I listened, I thought, that is very, very, very telling about him and his spiritual maturity because he knows what he's called to do and he knows what he's not called to do. Can Let me help you. It is, you are a wise person when you know what you are not called to do, even if you don't know what you're called to do. Can I tell you something? I'm not that smart. Don't y'all say Amen. <laughs> But I know, listen, I may not know what to do as a pastor of this church. There's so many decisions coming across my desk. I, I'm praying, Lord, help me. God, lead me. God, direct me. God, guide me. I showed up here 12 years ago, leaning on the Lord, and I'm still leaning on him today. Praise God for his grace. That ain't Rodney, that's him. I'm praying, Lord, lead me. God, give me the wisdom that I need. And a lot of times I don't know what to do. But I can tell you something. I often know what not to do. I often know what not to do. I'm like, well, I don't know what to do, God, but I know it ain't that. (laughs) And you know what? By just sheer deduction, if you don't do this and you don't do that and you know not to do this and you know not to do that, listen, by default, you're going to wind up at the right place. Doing the right thing because that's God showing you. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. And before you realize it, you're walking in the will of God. That's what we call trusting God and walking by faith. How do you do this thing? I don't know how to do this. You talk about walk by faith. Walk by faith. What, What does that mean? Well, it means that I'm walking and trusting the Lord to lead and guide my life as I have the boundaries of the word of God. So I'm just walking in the word, man. Here's the boundary and here's the boundary. And I'm just walking in the word. And, and I might get a little bit off course because I got the boundary of the word. I bump into the bumper boundary. You know, I'm like, boing, that's not right. You know, Boing, that's not right. Boing, before you know it, you just kind of ping pong, ping. But the word of God directs your life so you're safe in the word. You understand? This is walking by faith. Just every day, I'm just staying in the word, trusting God to do what he has called me to do and leaning on him. Well, I'm going to lean on him real quick here. And verse 12, if you're looking at it, you know what to do. Y'all nice sheep. <laughs> Y'all just nice sheep. Look at verse 12, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbath you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you. Would you underline this? It is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord, who sanctifies you, and you shall keep the Sabbath. Therefore, for it is holy to you, everyone who profanes it shall surely be, what? Put to death. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh is the Sabbath of rest. Holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. God said that twice. That must mean that they will surely be put to death. I'm a scholar. (laughs) Therefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between, underline verse 17, it's a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. That's the second time that's been stated. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed, or that literally means satisfied in the Hebrew language. And when he had made an end of speaking with him on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone, written with the finger of God. Now stop right there. Give me your attention. We talked about the Sabbath in chapter 16 through 20. And uh, in chapter 20, we talked extensively about it, actually in depth. And you can pick up the CD That would be with the Ten Commandments talking about keeping the Sabbath. But if you simply listen, want to understand what the Sabbath is, and you want to understand the Sabbath, the Bible tells us it is a sign between Jehovah, God, and the children of Israel forever. And note, it's a sign between God and not the church, God and Israel. God gave Israel two very specific things in regard to symbolism. Number one was circumcision. It was a sign. Number two, the Sabbath. It was a sign that was to go from generation to generation between God Almighty and the children of Israel. The church, listen, the church has always met on the first day of the week and never was the church obligated to keep the Sabbath. In the book of Acts, the church met on Sunday because they loved Jesus, because he resurrected on Sunday, and so they met on Sunday for prayer and praise and fellowship and teaching. The Sabbath is a day between Jehovah and Israel. And you want to notice something in verse 14. For those who are Sabbath keepers, go ahead and look at verse 14. For those who are Sabbath keepers, if you ever break it, does that mean... That you should be put to death today? No. See, people talk about keeping the Sabbath, but if they ever break it, if you ever break the Sabbath, does that mean that you should be put to death? Would you be willing to be put to death? No. But people want to keep the Sabbath. Man, I mean, think about it. If you miss church and you miss church on a Sunday, you know, we don't send Guido out to track you down. I mean, the keeping of the Sabbath, here's my point. The keeping of the Sabbath is under the law. And by the way, it was very complicated. It was very involved. There's seventh day, every seventh year, every 50th year. But God says it's to be between him and Israel. So the seventh day was to be hallowed by the Lord. It was that day. And you know your Bibles in Genesis that God rested, not because he was tired and Not because he needed rest after working for six days, but God rested on the seventh day because it was a rest of satisfaction. God ceased from his work because he saw everything was good. And on the seventh day was was Adam's first full day of existence. Just reading this this morning. And God decided to take a day off and hang out in fellowship with Adam in the cool of the day. In that cool. God said, Adam, I'll rest And we'll chill out and hang out together. So the Sabbath is between God and Israel. Romans chapter 14, verse 5. You can look that up in your own time. Talks about one man esteems one day higher than another. You know, whatever your day of rest is, the point is to take a day of rest. Amen? So in verse 18, Moses was up on the mountain getting the instructions from God. And then after 40 days, listen, of God giving Moses the description of all we've talked about in the last couple of months, Moses was up there for 40 days. Then God took his finger and wrote in the two tablets of stone all the details the order of worship, the recipe for the anointing oil, all of the description of the special clothing, Moses was up there getting from God, and then God took his finger and wrote in the two tablets of stone. God wasn't writing for 40 days. God was giving instruction for 40 days. And at the end of that 40 days, God wrote in the two tablets of stone. And wouldn't it be interesting to get a writing analysis person to look at that handwriting and try to tell us about God. Wouldn't that be interesting? Well, listen, chapter 32, got to end right here. You got to read ahead because after 40 days, listen, Moses goes back down to the camp and get this, y'all, the high priest Aaron comes up with a bright idea